What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Some Supervision Required, a podcast where I usually sit down with friends or acquaintances and talk about all the topics a 20-something-year-old goes through when trying to form relationships in her everyday life. I'm coming to you live from my bedroom. And when I say usually, that's because this episode is a little different. So usually I have someone else on here to interrogate or get a second perspective on or whatever it is that I'm talking about at the time. But this time, it's just me. All by myself. Lucky you, listener. And I'm speaking really slow because I'm obviously very nervous um, because I don't have somebody else to talk to. I'm literally just, just, just me. Um, so here we go. In thinking about relationships and like what to talk about, having been off the air for so long, or is it off the air? Is it what? Whatever. I couldn't help but wonder. No, no, I'm just, I'm totally kidding. Um, but seriously, and if you didn't get that, I can't believe I'm making jokes. Ugh, okay. All this talk about relationships and friendships and everything, I, I think it's important to address the most important relationship of all, right? The one that we can all relate to, the, the one that you have with yourself. And like all relationships, it, it takes work, it's a journey, but the unique thing is that it's never complete and you're always growing. So I started thinking about how last year I made a commitment to myself to develop the relationship that I had with myself, to work at it and give it as much attention as I do the others in my life. And not just to better myself because the truth is I'm getting close to 30 and as I examine the relationships that I have with others, I know that in order to foster and grow those, I have to be comfortable with myself. The pandemic as I'm sure it did for everybody, kind of threw that journey into overdrive. The first few weeks of quarantine were tough. I mean, I spent a lot of time alone and introspection was at a high. I am not kidding you when the joke that, the running joke was how everyone sort of mentally broke down at like three or four weeks into quarantine. I had broken down three or four days in I mean, I was not well. Like the idea that I couldn't see my friends, that I had to stay at home, that I could not leave the confines of my apartment without potentially, you know, getting sick. And this is this is literally at the very start of it was just so, so wild to me because as someone who's super social, like being told, and I've said this on the podcast before, like that you can't see your friends? What, what do you mean I can't see my friends? What do you mean I can't see the people that I love? Like, what do you mean we can't congregate and hang out? And what do you mean my social life is dead right now? Like, and it sounds so bratty to say because obviously there were a lot more important things going on at the time, like the fact that there was a freaking pandemic. But that's just all that I could think about. And it put me in a space where I just had to think about myself and being alone and I hadn't done that in so long. And I never did well with that. Being alone is not my thing. Like, And I, and when I say being alone, I, I guess I mean feeling alone, right? COVID interact, like completely changed how we interacted with each other. 
it forced me to d- like dive deep into understanding various things like my love languages and how I communicate. And it really tested my patience, I think, in listening to constant polarizing opinions. I mean, that was probably one of the reasons why I had to step away from the podcast because it was like, it just felt like I was in a constant state of arguing with people and not in a bad way, just like trying to understand their perspectives on different things, you know, like, was this right? Is this wrong? Is this this way? Is this the other way? Like it, it was just months and months of that. And I couldn't really figure out where I stood in all of that. Again, it just sort of put me in a position where I had to think a lot about myself and learn a lot about myself. And that journey that I was talking about, like, it's not over. Clearly, I'm still alive. I'm still here. I'm still podcasting. But it changes daily. Now, by no means am I any kind of health professional, life coach. This isn't an open therapy session, nor am I qualified to be giving any kind of advice. My journey does not mean that it necessarily applies to your story. I'm just kind of here to share the lessons that I've learned over the last year and what I'm going to continue learning as I keep going on through life. So when you make a commitment to yourself or to improve yourself or your relationship with yourself, it's a way of becoming healthy, right? For me, healthy didn't mean just my physical health though. It meant being in tune with my physical health. It meant being in tune with my body. It meant being in tune with my mind and it meant being in tune with my emotions. And I've struggled my entire life with all three. Like I've had some sort of weird complex where I have this strange relationship with food where I only really see it as sustenance to survive rather than enjoyment. But I also have a really big sweet tooth. So I don't know. Whereas most people are like, yeah, I love spending money on food. I always hated spending money on food. I always saw it as like, why am I going to spend money on something that I'm going to regret immediately after I eat it? Because I think I'm going to get fat and yeah, I'm enjoying it for a couple of seconds, but it's like, it doesn't really go anywhere. It doesn't add value to my life. And yeah, I know that's a really, really weird thing, but that's just how I would see food and I would enjoy good food and I have a great palate, but I never saw it as a method of enjoyment. Like going to dinner was not like a thing that I wanted to do. But at the same time, I'm not sitting here telling you like, oh my God, because of that, I literally only eat celery and carrots every single day. No, I freaking wish. I wish I didn't like pizza, but I do. I actually do enjoy the 30 seconds of pizza that I have whenever I'm eating pizza. It's a good time. And as competitive as I am in like all aspects of my life, you will never see me give up faster than when I have to complete like a certain amount of burpees in 10 minutes or anything that when it comes to physical exercise. I mean, I work out and I try to have like a healthy workout regimen, but that whole thing about pushing yourself and everything, if I don't have someone yelling at me, it's not getting done. Like I'm lazy. It is what it is. I mean, for the most part, I try my best to stay active because I'm also a hypochondriac. I take like seven different vitamins every single day. I constantly think I'm sick and my doctor tells me that I'm one of the healthiest patients that they have. 99% of the time, there's nothing wrong with me. But again, that physical health thing, even then, I think it's definitely the strongest. My mind, well, that's something that I've always prided myself in, to a fault. Well, 
it's probably the area I'm most comfortable in learning, applying knowledge, being as open-minded as I can in conversations and listening to other people's perspectives. That's also where I take the hits the hardest. I don't care if you make me feel fat, but don't ever make me feel stupid. That like my ego cannot handle a hit. I I don't know where it is. I guess it's because that is probably what I'm most confident in, right? Like how in tune with my mind I am. And I don't mean this like intellectually or anything. I, I really do think that I just am wired in a specific way and I'm confident in that. But it's still a struggle because the hits that I've taken there have usually been the ones that have set me back the, the farthest. Not when I've gained like 10 pounds or those eating unhealthy or after a vacation, not when I've gone through something emotionally draining. No, no. I have my biggest, biggest like downers when it comes to missing out on something because I did some, because I messed up or I made an intellectual mistake or I didn't get a job I wanted or something like that. I don't know. And like I said, Feeling stupid is probably the worst feeling in the world for me. And feelings lead me to that third pillar, right? The being in tune with your emotions. Because for all the maturity that I can feign in the other two, this one is by far the weakest. Like, I'm very dramatic. I can feel very deeply. But God forbid that I tackle those feelings head on. God forbid I address them. And look, I'm... I'm okay. That's okay. I'm okay with that. But it's also a sign of being very emotionally immature, which is stuff that I have to work on. I guess over the last couple of years with those three things, that's what I've tried to work on. Again, I turned 30 in like a few months and it's looming over me. And I'm sure everybody that turns 30 has gone through their own struggles, their own sort of like is it a midlife crisis at this point or can I still call it a quarter life? Whatever. If it's a quarter life crisis, that's, that's, I guess what it is. And it's looming and it's there and you want to be the best possible person that you can be while you're hitting that age. But it does cause me to sort of look back at my life and say, all right, what have I done? Where am I going? Who am I? Over the last couple of years, one of the lessons, one of the five that I'll share with you today is having those feelings. It's, it's not a bad thing. Feelings are good. It's okay to feel. And most importantly, speaking up about those things is a beautiful thing. So I'm the type of person that while I have a lot of emotions, while I feel very deeply, while I try to do a pretty good job of keeping them bottled up, they leak. I wish that I could be that cool kid that like always says that they're fine. It's not a big deal. You never really know what's going on with them. Or if, or the girl that, you know, gets referred to as like, oh, she's super chill and she doesn't like ever act out and she never has anything, but I'm not, I'm very dramatic and I always have something going on. And the way that my feelings leak out is usually through passive-aggressive comments. So I'm the type of person that you'll ask, hey, how are you doing? 
the first two words are always going to say, are always going to be, I'm fine. They just are. I cannot look at someone and have them ask me, no matter who they are, no matter how close they are to me, and tell them, I'm not okay, or I'm going through this, or I'm feeling this way. Because why would I want to burden someone with that? And everyone knows that when you ask someone, hey, how are you? It's kind of like a what's up? What's going on? How are you isn't really a way of like asking people how they really are. Like, do you really care? Do you really want to know how you are? Maybe you do. I know that when I ask that, I don't mind if someone unleashes and like vents their entire world to me. But I just don't get the sense that how are you actually invites that. And very few times do people actually follow up with that. And maybe that's that's the problem, right? Maybe saying, hey, how are you, isn't the best way to get to see what people are going through. But it's the most common question that's asked. So again, me being passive aggressive, I'll tell you a story about how I learned this lesson last year, right? It's probably like the beginning of the year and me being the person that I am, I wanted to make dinner for a few friends. I overcomplicated things for myself as I usually do and came out with this like three course meal appetizer, everything went over and my friends having had the day off, not really having communicated with them as much, were not hungry for reasons that I will not get into now, but they weren't hungry. They had just had a little bit of snacks. They were too busy kind of wanting to watch whatever they were watching, having a good time, you know, having a few drinks. They didn't want to eat. Now, normally this is fine, right? Like it's not a big deal. You would say, Danielle, okay, they didn't want to eat and you had been in the kitchen for two hours. It happens. And any other day, I think I would have been okay with it. I don't remember what I was going through, but I'm sure I was going through something and I was upset about it. I went back home and I told my roommate what had happened. She obviously, knowing me like the sister I never had does, knew that I was upset and knew that it was significant of a bigger issue, which was I felt that my friends had been inconsiderate. But she also knew that I wasn't going to say anything, that I was going to just sweep it under the rug and move on. And then eventually, maybe two or three months from now, when the moment or whatever was appropriate, I would slip out a passive aggressive comment that it would seem just completely out of nowhere and feel like an attack because that's what I did because that's what I always would do so in trying to get me to better communicate she suggested I actually express myself express those feelings hey I think what you did was really inconsiderate and this is how I feel and that maybe that would make me feel better I am not a confrontational person at all and that is not something that I wanted to do but I did it. And I still remember I was so nervous because when I wrote all that out, I was like, you know what? I'm going to express these feelings. And what's going to happen is I'm going to be told that I'm crazy. I'm going to be told that my feelings aren't valid. I'm going to be told that like I'm being overdramatic. And maybe I was, maybe I wasn't, but this is not going to go well. And I was so, so nervous. 
And it wasn't until the next day when my friend really had some time to sort of chew on everything that I had said and digest it, that they wrote back and they're like, you're completely right. And I'm sorry. And that shouldn't have happened. And I mean, I'm not going to get into the details of it, but that was it. I felt this huge weight just sort of like come off of my shoulders. All of this anger that I had been harboring that I knew would fester for months and months and months just disappeared. It's like it happened and it went away. And I remember going back to my roommate and telling her, holy shit, that that felt really good. And she was like, yeah, that's what happens when you open yourself up and you talk about your feelings. And that stuck with me. And it really, really stuck with me because I think after that, I sort of opened up Pandora's box maybe, right? Every single time that I had an issue and I still struggle with it. I, I talk about it. I say something, I bring it up. I still have my moments where I'm passive aggressive. I'm not going to lie, but I'm starting to move away from that. And I'm starting to, if I'm going to let it fester, if I'm going to not say anything, then I have to work through them. Then if I'm not going to acknowledge that, that if I'm not going to acknowledge them with the other person that I have to at least acknowledge them with myself, say them out loud, write them down. Like, this is how I feel. Maybe it's warranted. Maybe it's not. But at the same time, feelings are valid. Feelings are good. It's okay to feel. And maybe that, that was it. Like that was the key. Just opening up and saying how I felt. It happened a few more times after that. I mean, last year for sure, I probably told a lot of people what I was feeling. A little too much. But I don't regret any of those times. I do regret the times I didn't say something and I said a passive aggressive comment and it turned into something else and then there were fights or disagreements. Those times sucked. Those times sucked way more than just opening up and saying how I felt. Which brings me to my next lesson, right? Well, it was great that I said something, you know, each of those times. The root of the problem came from my incessant people-pleasing. I essentially tend to get hung up trying to figure out why people don't like me or what I've done wrong. And my next lesson is you can't please everyone. And investing your happiness in the feelings of others towards you is a one-way ticket to disappointment, or at least it was for me, right? And that's that was a tough pill to swallow. Accepting that I can't make everyone happy. Now, as narcissistic as that sounds, like that was really tough. I mean, how can I not find a way to make you, whoever you are, in some way happy or see me as a value in your life, whether you're a friend or an acquaintance or a coworker or something like why why can't I be that for everybody and it reminded me of something that I heard a really really long time ago my friend said you can be the ripest juiciest nicest peach in the entire world and there will still be someone who doesn't like peaches I'm saying peaches because I remember it being peaches but maybe it was something else it's And it could apply to anything, right? You could be the best slice of fucking pizza in the entire world. And there's still going to be somebody out there, somebody very strange, that doesn't like pizza. You can't make everybody happy. 
And when I accepted that and I realized that, and even though it happened a lot, there was a sense of like freedom. I was finally free from the the, the chains of knowing that I have to make everybody happy. And it allowed me to be more of myself. I guess the point of that, and I don't really have a story in specific that I can think of. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess it came to, to mind probably because I took a trip last year where I had been, I mean, I took a lot of trips last year, which was not a good thing, guys. Like, yes, I took a lot of trips I probably shouldn't have. I was a little bit reckless and all, very safe for the most part. Um, but I did take a lot of trips that I probably shouldn't have throughout the whole pandemic. And that meant that I was meeting a lot of people, a lot of new people. And I know you're thinking like, how the fuck are you meeting somebody in the middle of a pandemic? But I did, okay? I, I don't, I got very lucky. And I had to meet a lot of different personalities. And while I'm pretty easygoing and I try to be a good person, and I think I'm a good person, I'm pretty kind with everybody. There's a lot of personalities out there and you're not going to jive with all of them. And sometimes that's okay. But you also have to accept that you might be that personality that people might not jive with, which was, again, a tough pill for me to swallow. Not everybody's going to like me. The whole point of me saying this is that at the end of the day, the first person that I want to make happy is me. And even though that's going to come with a ton of mistakes, back and forth, messy situations, at the end of the day, it's just me I'm living with. And speaking of me and who I'm living with at the end of the day, being me, that touches upon the physical health portion of this, right? That other lesson that I learned, the third one, when you look good, you feel good. And I know this is an obvious cliche, but one that like really got magnified with the pandemic. I think a lot of people, having been taken out of their routines, that was mentally draining, emotionally draining, and also physically draining. I mean, most people were working from home or maybe they weren't working from home, but they were working a lot more because they were an essential worker. That meant picking up a lot of hours, changing your lifestyle, changing your routine. I mean, it it wasn't easy at all. And it wasn't easy for me necessarily, but I was also extremely lucky and I'm grateful and so blessed that my routine actually changed for the better. Working from home allowed me to incorporate a healthy workout routine during the day instead of having to work out after work when I was exhausted and probably slacking off a little bit. It allowed me to meal plan ahead of time. It allowed me to really get in tune with my body and it allowed me to accept my body. And when I say when you look good, you feel good, it goes beyond just like working out and eating healthy and you know being in the best shape of your life because I'm not in the best shape of my life. Not at all. I feel healthy, but when I say you look good, it meant waking up in the morning after my workout, showering and putting on nice clothes instead of being in my pajamas. That helped a lot. It helped trying to find a little bit more of my style, trying to stay away from things that were trendy, but unflattering on my body. I found that every single time that I had a special occasion where I was able to dress up in some sort of way, it was more special. And 
looking good meant that I felt good too. And you have no idea how important it is to feel good in your own skin. I still don't. And I may never will because at the end of the day, I don't think anybody really truly does. There's always ways that you want to improve. But I will say that I'm finally getting to that point where I'm like, this is my body and this is my face and this is how I look. And yes, I can change a few things, but maybe I can't change everything. And my body's not going to look like her body and I'm not going to look like Kim Kardashian. I'm also not going to look like Kendall Jenner. I'm also not going to look like Megan Fox. Like it's fine. I don't have to. I can look like myself and dress myself in the nicest clothes and still feel amazing and still feel like I look like Megan Fox and still feel like I look like Kendall Jenner and still feel like someday maybe Harry Styles would see me in the street and like take me out on a date. I don't know. Again, I'm making jokes when I'm super uncomfortable. But again, that all, all of that takes time and energy. The energy I usually have, thankfully. The uh, the time? <laughs> time management hasn't always been my strong suit. But no one that knows me would really know that. Because to the outside world, to most people, I always have time. And that's not totally untrue because I am the champion of distributing my time and energy as much as I can with everyone I care about, which is not a bad thing. At least I don't think that's a bad thing. Actually, I think a lot of people would consider that a strength. The problem is not everyone deserves that energy. This lesson, I probably learned the hardest. And it's very, very similar to you can't please everyone. I think the difference though is about how one is accepting of yourself and the other is about not accepting someone else to disturb whatever peace it is that you have, right? It's about not allowing someone to change who you are at the core. I think in the past, I've always been very much about trying to figure out the next step, the next step to win the game, the next move to win the battle. It wasn't until I exhausted every ounce of energy in me that I realized that doing that is just not worth it. And what I mean about distributing time and energy appropriately and everything, (laughs) I had a friend once tell me that time is the most precious commodity, right? Like everyone thinks that it's money, but time is the most valuable thing that you could have. And I'm not going to get into the whole constructs of time is just a construct or like created by society or whatever, but really truly thinking about it if you could have one or the other you're gonna time is just more valuable if I could split myself in seven different ways it wouldn't be because there would be I'd be excited to have seven more of me I'd be excited because that means that I would have more time more time distributed into different things the time and energy thing is so important and last year I learned that the hard way I tend to get into situations that last way longer than they should. Not getting into details about that because the situations can be whatever. Last year, I remember thinking about one and it was very simple, like very much about the whole, you know, you can't please everybody. And I remember walking away from this situation that did not sit well with me 
someone had made me feel absolutely terrible about myself and finally speaking up, me, finally speaking up and saying something about it and feeling so wronged. And I'm sure that's happened to everybody, right? You've been in situations where someone has wronged you in some sort of way. And in being wronged, I remember thinking, I want to be angry and I want to lash out and I want to react in a certain way and plan for all the different ways that I can make this person feel the same way that they made me feel. But that takes time and that takes energy, two of which this person no longer deserves. And even though you think like, well, you have to give somebody the taste of their own medicine or you have to react a certain way or you have to just harden yourself up after you get hurt, whether it's through a friendship or a relationship or through anything, you don't have to change who you are at your core because you can't control how other people treat you or how they react to you, but you can control how you treat them and you react to them. At the end of the day, I don't care if you're an asshole. That doesn't mean that I'm going to be an asshole to you. I won't be an asshole to you. And that may seem kind of counterintuitive because I feel like the advice that I always would get is, well, the only reason why, you know, these situations happen or why you get treated a certain way is because you allow it, which is true. But not allowing it doesn't mean like returning back the same nastiness or the same hurt. It just means you don't have to give the time and energy that you don't deserve. It's very similar to the whole taking the high road or killing them with kindness. Maybe it's all the same idiom or cliche or whatever. But it was so important for me to learn that, for me not to harden up after being hurt in any kind of way or changing who I am, but just making sure to distribute that energy differently. So if you, if you're a friend, if you're, you know, a boyfriend or whatever, find a way to hurt me or you do hurt me, whether it was your intention or not your intention, I don't have to get hung up on the why you did or how, you know, or cut you out or, you know, return that sort of nastiness. But I can channel all of that good energy and put it into somebody that does deserve it. And that happened to me so many times. I had so many times where I realized that I was giving so much energy into figuring out why, you know, I, I couldn't connect with this friend that I had and completely ignoring the friends that would give me all of the attention in the world, that were giving me all of the love that I deserved. And I wasn't giving them enough back. I gave a lot, but not enough back because I was splitting myself into trying to figure out why I couldn't please everybody else. I guess the biggest lesson of all to date, the one that I haven't fully mastered just yet, the one that kind of ties all of this together is knowing what you want, right? And it seems really easy, but it's not. And it's cliche and it's tired out. But holy shit, I'm telling you, when you know what you want, it makes getting what you want 
that much more satisfying. I used to always say, I mean, I still say it and I still believe it. I always get what I want. And if I don't get what I want, then I wasn't meant to have it or I never really wanted it. And I know people always kind of like shrug up their their eyebrow or something and, and think like, wait, that doesn't make any sense, right? Like if you weren't meant to have it, then you don't always get what you want. Or if you never really wanted it, then you don't always get what you want. But for me, it was it's sort of like taking two things into account, right? Like what's destined for me, no one's going to take that away, which I think in Spanish is like, lo que es para ti, nadie te lo quita. And I believe that. I really believe that whether it's destiny or fate or whatever it is that you want to believe in, things have a way of working themselves out. But I also have found that when I don't get something, the initial hurt, once it subsides, most of the time I realize I didn't want that. That's not what I wanted. And it opens up the world of possibilities of things that I did want. And it gets me that much closer. And again, this is the lesson that I haven't mastered. Most people will ask me, well, what do you want out of life? What do you want out of a relationship? What do you want out of this relationship? What do you want out of this friendship? What do you want out of this job? And 90% of the time, I don't know. And it makes working towards things a lot harder. Before I had the job that I had now, um, I remember I actually didn't get it at first. They brought me back in because they had to do some changes and I was kind of out of their range. So they didn't accept me. Initially, I had interviewed for this job and I was so happy and this is where I wanted to go, but they had to say no. Long story short, about a month after they called me and they're like, look, we we rearranged some stuff. We changed the role and we want you and we want you to come on. And I was very lucky and very blessed that I was able to go and get this. But there was another instance where a company reached out to me, right? And they asked me if to, not to apply, but basically thought that you know my resume looked really good. They wanted me to apply for this position. I hadn't been really looking for a job at the time, but I entertained it. Why not? Like, let me just see where this goes. I remember I, I went through a two-week interview process and it was good. Every single step of the way, it was really good. And this was a huge opportunity. And I was excited, but I was also sort of dumbfounded at the fact that this was happening and I didn't really want a job. Like I hadn't been looking for it. It just sort of fell on my lap. And it made me think about my career and the things that I, again, I've always been confident in rich with in this realm or this aspect is always getting what I want. And I've never had sort of struggles, I guess, in my career because things just sort of fall in my lap or things have a way of working themselves out. And I just thought this was one of those cases. I was so excited. And even though I, I worked hard into getting this job, the closer I got towards the end, the more nervous I got not because I thought I would blow the interview, not because I thought, you know, I wasn't going to be able to get it. I knew that I was capable of it, but because I knew that I was going to have to make a choice, you know, like leave my current situation or stay or go, or I was going to have to make choices. And I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know what it was that I wanted. I knew the benefits, 
I knew the pros and cons, but I didn't know. I didn't know what choice I would make were I to get the job. And I just kept thinking, you know what? We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But the closer that I got to that bridge, the more I swayed in one way. And again, being confident in all of this stuff, I really thought that I, I got it. I got it and I was going to be able to make this choice and I was going to be able to make this decision. A couple of weeks later, I find out well, I didn't get it. I didn't get it and I was crushed. I mean, I was so shaken. And again, I know it sounds like such first world problems, but I was devastated because it, for me, it felt like the first time that I didn't get what I wanted. It felt like I, and I, when I mean I didn't get what I wanted, I meant it felt like the first time I didn't get what I wanted in a space where I always did. This isn't a relationship. This isn't a boy that I had a crush on that like it didn't work out. Like I was used to that. But when it came to my career, I was never used to hearing no. Even with the job that I have now, when I heard no, I really just thought, there was something wrong with them, to be honest. I'm like, okay, I will, maybe I'll get a call later, but maybe I'm meant for something else. I got a call two weeks later, obviously, and I ended up getting the job. But And the more I thought about it, the more it sort of shed light on all these insecurities that I had, all these feelings that I had about what it was that I wanted, and I realized I had no idea what I wanted out of my career. I had no idea. I didn't want this job. I wanted the opportunity that it was going to give me. I wanted the door that it would open. But I didn't want this job. I didn't want to switch what I was doing. I, I, I was happy. It just offered me a different opportunity. And I, I don't think that had it come down to it, I would have been happy. This doesn't really matter now because obviously I'm at a job that I love right now. But having that moment of sort of like introspection of looking back and thinking, what do you want? Like, Daniela, what is it that you want? Because if you really wanted something, you would go and get it. I had to stop thinking about how things would just fall on my lap because Sometimes they will and sometimes they won't. Sometimes things will figure themselves out. Actually, things will always figure themselves out. But sometimes you have to work towards it. And when you work towards something, it means that you're working towards a goal because you know what that goal is. That's, that's sort of my, my story. I mean, look, if you made it all the way here, congrats on like the half hour or 40 minutes listening to my rambles. Maybe you learn nothing. Maybe you agree with everything. Maybe this was a giant waste of time. Maybe this gives you a chance to do some of your own introspection. Maybe you now know a little bit more about me, or maybe you just realize you don't know me at all. I don't know. That's me. I'm human. I'm flawed. I have layers. I have deep emotions. I actually make really bad jokes when I'm uncomfortable, and I'm not funny, but I will make you laugh. I love chicken wings. I can't eat them in public. I have faked my way through about 90% of my accomplishments. I have pretty impeccable grammar. <laughs> I have a knack for remembering random facts about so many topics. 
I'm like seriously the best trivia partner. But I can also be really moody and self-absorbed and overzealous. And I think I still wake up every single day trying to figure it out and see what my next step is. But I think that that happens with everybody. My whole point is that it's still a journey. It's still growth. It's still moving forward, right? As long as I'm moving forward, as long as you're moving forward, something good should come out of it. I don't really know what comes next. I don't really think you you ever know what comes next. Um, but what I do know is that I I will figure it out. With all that said, I hope this wasn't too painful. I hope you tune in for the next episode. I promise not to make these very frequent. It's very awkward to literally just talk to a screen for about 40 minutes. But if you did enjoy it, send me a note. And if you did enjoy it, if you didn't enjoy it, don't send me anything. Please don't say anything at all. That would absolutely crush me. Until next time, I'll see you guys.